During our service today, we're going to be hearing from the next installment in the story of Exodus, Exodus chapter 4, and looking at those verses where the Lord is commanding, inviting Moses to go back to Egypt and speak to Pharaoh and speak to the people of Israel. And um, Moses says, could you send someone else? <laughs> because I'm, I'm not very good at talking, or I'm not very brave, I'm not very confident. Um, and instead of having a sermon on it, we're going to have a few reflections on sharing our faith and living as witnesses in the public sphere, or, or whatever sphere that we find ourselves, any network that we find ourselves. So um, Jane Lees is going to share a little, and Helen um, hopefully Beth and some of the young people, she's going to try and harangue them in the next few minutes, and, and myself will share uh, on those themes. So let's carry on in our booklets and pray this opening prayer together. God of our days and years, we set this time apart from you. Form us in the likeness of Christ so that our lives may glorify you. Amen. I'm going to hear from our Bible readings. So I think, yeah, brilliant, Jane. Thank you. The first reading is Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 to 16. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will help you speak, and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. The second reading is Matthew Chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So we're going to hear from a number of different voices. Helen, I ask you to come up in a moment, so just prep yourself. Um, we're going to hear from Helen and Jane, and hopefully Beth, some of the young people, and a little bit from myself. Uh, and I think from the short conversations I had with people over text, there's some different themes that will be drawn out. Um, and I, I think let's just be open to hearing from God and also to be, to be thinking, where do you find yourself in someone else's story, someone else's testimony? And what encouragement can you 
uh, take from uh, what they share. It may well be an encouragement in that you're sharing in someone else's weakness as well. You're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm I feel a little bit wobbly too, <laughs> or lack confidence too, and, and how they have um, not necessarily overcome that, but welcomed the Lord into that sense of weakness and vulnerability. So uh, I'll pray, and then Helen, do you want to come up and share first? And then we'll hear from Jane, and then... I'll, I'll quickly, Helen, as you come up, I'll quickly go and get, give Beth and the young people a, a notice. Okay. Lord, we ask as we hear from various voices that we hear your voice uh, to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Thanks, Helen. When Nathaniel contacted me to talk about what Moses was going through when he said, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. I said to him, I don't, I'm not sure people will believe that I'm the right person to talk about this because you are no doubt well aware. Oh, have I got the young people as well? Oh, heck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, I don't find it difficult to stand up here and talk to you in this situation. I don't find it difficult to stand in front of a class of children and talk to them. Um, one of the most precious things I'm going to talk to you about was with a child in a primary school at lunchtime. Um, but actually, I'm safe here because you're down there and you are generally, generally speaking going to behave yourselves. And you are not going to surprise me, are you? <laughs> uh, uh, which will fluster me more now than, than it ever used to. But actually, to talk to someone about the Lord, someone that I don't know, I find extremely difficult because the Lord matters and it matters to get it right. And I'm afraid of getting it wrong. However, over the span of 50 plus years, <laughs> there have been one or two occasions when things have worked out. And one of them was with this little boy in a primary school. I was a lunchtime supervisor, and I was sitting down to lunch with the children. Now, those were the days. Next to this little boy, whom I'd recognized, he was the son of a local pa pastor at a Baptist church. And he turned to me in the middle of lunch and he said, Miss, they say that Jesus isn't true. And I just looked down at him, he was there, and I said, but you and I know that they're wrong. And I count it an enormous privilege to have been there at that time for that little boy to encourage him when he was feeling embattled. And it was years and years before I ever spoke to someone that I didn't know um, about the things of the Lord. I was busy enough bringing up kids and whatnot. Um, but then, um, after we'd moved here, um, the whole thing about Open the Book came up. And it just... It, that was just, again, such a privilege to be involved in Open the Book. I felt as if my whole life experience had prepared me for that because I'd worked um, in non-teaching positions in primary schools. 
I'd worked as a teacher in secondary schools and encouraged my head of department vigorously when she decided to do Christmas customs on the curriculum for every year group except the exam groups. So um, we got Christ into the French curriculum. Um, I, I taught a little bit of music, year seven. Very definitely the head of music gave me the lesson plan and I stuck to it, but I loved to sing, so I used to get the kids singing. And we ended up with a year seven choir singing um, about Emmanuel at the carol service, at the school carol service, old school. Um, prior to the, my involvement in education, before I was married, no, just as I was getting married and before the children came along, I'd trained as a secretary. I worked in admin. So when Open the Book came along that needed to be organised, it needed people to know what they were doing, so they would need to be trained. Uh, it was all about the Bible. Yay! Um, it needed props and costumes, so my craft skills came in, not to mention my husband's woodwork skills. And, uh, and I knew that it was important to meet deadlines with that because the props had to be ready for the first team to go. Once they were ready for one team, they were ready for all, but we had to keep that up. And just occasionally, once we were running in schools, I got to go along and join in the storytelling, which was fantastic. Loved it. I love the school environment. Sorry about this, folks. But I, I'm, I'm happy in school. Much later again, um, um, there was one other person whom the Lord put on my heart that I wanted to speak to about the Lord. I had no idea how. She was a lovely little Italian lady who had joined the same knitting group as me. And she had cancer. And she was in Marie Curie. And I wanted to go and I kept not having the opportunity. And then one Sunday afternoon, suddenly I had two hours and I said, I'm going to see my little Italian lady. And I went uh, and I found my way into Marie Curie when they were in the middle of building works and I'd never been there before. But that was a game in itself. But I arrived and a lovely nurse showed me into her room and she woke up and sat up and talk about the words in your mouth. I just said to her, oh, Dora, I am want I've been wanting so much to say to you how much I am looking forward to seeing you in the future. Because I know that you love Jesus. She's of a Catholic background. And I love Jesus too. And she, she beamed. And we chatted uh, and eventually, uh, after about 20 minutes, I was coming away, and um, I went to just hold her hand and say, God bless, and she pulled me down to her, and in my ear she said, thank you for reminding me of some things. And it was a holy moment, and it was just so precious. I don't, that's twice in my life that's happened, okay. Uh, uh, directly speaking, to someone, um, neither of whom was in sense a complete stranger. But more recently, uh, the Lord has shown me some little tricks uh, or, uh, that I use to just make sure that people that I um, in interact with know that I'm a Christian, to open up the way that if they wanted to ask, 
they could. So I, when I'm chatting with someone, I always make sure I mention church. That, you know, that I'm a churchgoer. On, other, on a few occasions, um, for a while, I, w- I, w- I would offer to pray for someone. I'd say, someone that I got chatting to in a restaurant on one occasion, by the Thames. Uh, and uh, the, the couple told me their troubles. And I said, you know, I'm a Christian and I believe that Jesus answers prayer. If you'd like me to, I'll pray for you. I could do it now if you want me to, or I'll pray later. I did the same thing with a lady outside LGI. We were both waiting for taxis to arrive. Um, And it's surprising how often people will respond to uh, an offer to pray. And then I realized that the phrase, God bless, is very acceptable. Very acceptable. So now I say, bye, God bless, to everybody. The Morrison's driver and... The, you know, the, che- the checkout assistant, anybody and everybody, most of the time, sometimes I forget, I say, bye, God bless. God bless. Um, so when uh, Nathaniel got in touch and said uh, the service is going to be about people who uh, um, don't know how to speak, um, I took that in the good grace it was sent, and, and, and it's... it's <laughs> It's, it's very true, so um, I'm, I'm really quite shy, and um, so I kind of feel quite nervous doing this. Um, so anyway, I'll do it. Um, so in my life, I, I always wanted my career to be um, about my faith, and um, when I got um, to really know about Christianity. Um, I, I had the privilege of um, going to this tiny sort of chapel in, um, near Bath where I grew up and there was this guy called Bob Holman there who's, um, he's, he was a, an amazing um, professor at um, Bath University who was passionate about social justice and um, you might have heard of him. He went to... Um, Easter House after that, and he was really involved in um, helping the people who lived on those really uh, challenging estates. And so I had this passion about poverty and justice and, and also about giving a voice to people who don't have a voice. And um, so for the last um, 18 years, I've worked at Community Works, which is a community project based in BD3, which is about two miles away from here. And, um, you know, I really believe um, that um, the influences um, of, you know, Jesus having a heart for the poor, and I think that the verses that were important to me were um, Isaiah 58, True Fasting, And um, Isaiah 61, that Jesus, um, it says, For I, the Lord, love justice. And, um, you know, living in Bradford in particular, there's so much injustice here. And, um, you know, through the, the work that we do, we see so many people who are treated so badly by other people. 
And, um, and one of the verses that's always been really important to me, and I think just for me, but also for other people, is um, Isaiah 42, um, verse 3, which um, says, A bruised breed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And I think, you know, at Community Works, we see so many people who, you know, are at that point where their, you know, their life is, is really difficult. The majority of the people that we work with, um, or the majority of the adults we work with are Asian women, and, and they don't have much voice. Um, you know, surprisingly, you know, they, they don't get a chance really to, um, they're really oppressed, um, often by the husbands, or even if not by the husbands, by the community. And, um, you know, surprisingly, there are quite a few women who are on their own now. Um, you know, it's, it's a type of area where there's a lot of drugs and crime. And so there are a lot of, lot of women whose husbands are in prison. Um, you know, it's not, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, but it's not uncommon for there to be the odd murder in the area and stuff. And so it is, it is a pretty tough place. And um, Community Works, um, Reese actually is the chair of Community Works, if you didn't know, so he's my boss. Um, community Works really, in a nutshell, is about trying to help people to thrive. And so we help people in different ways. So we do things like ESOL classes teach people to speak English and then of course if they've got the ability to speak English they've got more power um, and trying to meet people's needs um, and over the years that I've been there the, the community's changed so um, it's a pretty similar community to Frisingall in some senses so like in the last six or eight years there's been quite a lot of Roma people that have moved into the area and those, those um, families have become the new bottom of the pile, really. And so they've, you know, they experience terrible exploitation, both by landlords, employers, and, and some from their own community exploit them, people that had come over first who kind of know the way. So there's lots of um, benefit fraud and, and stuff like that. And, and you know, many of the, those families, I don't know if you realize, they, they often, the person that's working, they'll only earn like 20 pound for a 10 hour day. Um, lots of the Asian restaurants in Bradford um, employ Roma in their kitchens and they just pay them 20, 20 or 30 pound for a, a 10 hour day. And it's shocking and um, people know that it's happening and nobody kind of does anything about it. And so I always get really cross whenever I go round a roundabout and I see sponsored by Akbars or something because I know that places like that are really exploiting people and um, it's just really terrible. Um, and I think, you know, just on a more practical st scale, um, we can just do small things and we can all do this just to help people. So, um, you know, it might be that we help someone understand what a letter means or or we um, help someone phone up someone who 
who needs some help with something. Um, or it might be that we do something like campaigning. Um, uh, at the moment, um, I'm organizing a petition to try and get um, some good play equipment in Pill Park because they've just spent £650,000 on Lister Park and they're proposing to spend 100000 on Peel Park, which is actually the biggest park in the district and it's got really rubbish play area. And, you know, most of the families, like the families that live around Lister Park, they don't have a garden. And, you know, whereas they, they seem to be willing to, to spend lots of money in the lovely parks in the leafy areas, you know, a park in inner city Bradford is just so much more important for children to be able to have somewhere great to go. And it should be exciting and, and, you know, I mean, obviously we also have issues with things like obesity and other things that, that also make it even more important to have a great park. Um, and I, I think the other thing uh, that, that I wanted to mention, um, some of you might know that, um, and, and I usually, whenever I do the prayers, I always mention um, asylum seekers and refugees. And um, it's another area that we work with at Community Works. But um, Steve and I have also had the privilege to um, host unaccompanied asylum seekers um, for about the last four years. We're not doing it at the moment because we've just moved house. But um, so we've had, um, we've had a couple of... Um, well, we've had all boys, which was kind of easier for us because of our boys. Um, so we've had a couple of uh, lads from Eritrea and a couple from Sudan. And, um, you know, an unaccompanied asylum seeker, in case you don't quite know what it is, is someone who turns up in the UK um, without any parent. And so the people that um, have lived with us have been... 16 to 18 year olds and they they've all come across um to the uk through either on the back of a lorry or on a boat or something like that so they've and they've traveled from africa and you know they've been exposed to goodness knows what and been treated appallingly on the way and they're just children and um so when they get here it's really great if they can live with the family because it gives them that sort of well, best start probably um, that they could possibly have. And, you know, some, some of the young people, their parents are dead. Some of them, um, they're not. Um, but, you know, they've just been through really, really tricky things in their life. And um, we, you know, we can give them a home and, but also act as a voice for them and so, you know, help them negotiate the next phase of their life when they move on and, you know, help them get into college, help them get a bank account because they don't know, you know, they don't know how the UK works at all because they've just arrived here and, and they haven't got a clue and we take all these things for granted. And so I think, again, you know, practically with, with your neighbours or whatever, you know, if you've got people who've come here from another country, they don't necessarily know how it works in the UK. So... That's another thing that you can do to help people, um, you know, so that they can do things the right way and not get into trouble. Um, and I think, um, I'll stop now, but I think the other thing that 
has always been in my mind is um, it's a verse in Philippians which is press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me and so I would encourage you all to find out what it is that that you can do. Uh, so we talk a lot about um, what it's like to live out our faith and to talk to the people in our lives about Jesus. It's something that I think comes up a lot. And also just take into account that these young people, all of us, are at probably different stages of our faith walk and it can look quite different. But how do we even um, bring that into conversational spaces with, with people? And I think particularly for these guys... Um, being this age in this world that we have right now is, is really difficult to be curious, stay curious about Jesus, to grow your faith and to talk to people. Talking to people at 15 is hard enough. Talking to people about Jesus that maybe you're not all that convinced by yet is really hard. Um, they do think that you've forgotten to do your sermon though, Nathaniel, and filling in. <laughs> And also, uh, one young person said, oh, church is actually really interesting. I thought it would be really boring in here. <laughs> so we might be here more often, who knows? Um, but we, we had a bit of a chat, didn't we? We actually read the verse in Exodus about Moses um, freaking out about not being able to chat. So should we just share a couple of things that we said? So Callum, you were talking about FIFA, but we did talk about Jesus. Well, I, I find, like, sometimes my, my friends are not really that interested, and it's easy to get distracted about other things like well FIFA <laughs> so yeah that's what I wanted to say so that sense of I don't even know if my friends we did talk about friendships because that's the place you're in right um are always that interested in Jesus it's it's one of the most varied things as well you can get a wide variety of responses from enthusiastic they go to church every day from now on all the way to what on earth are you talking about? Um, sometimes being ridiculed. Um, a fear. I think there was a big fear of a negative reaction because that is it's a very bizarre concept, and even Christians themselves don't even fully understand Christianity as a whole. Sorry, <laughs> but um, it, it. Yeah, it. I think. I think there is a large fear of a negative response from out from other people who are not Christians. Um, I guess I just find it hard to kind of know how to talk about it with other people. Like, because occasionally I've had friends who ask me about it and then I'm happy to talk to them about it and to kind of, I don't know, say stuff that I know and ask them about stuff and that feels okay for me, but for friends who aren't very open about that or wouldn't, don't think about it or would never really ask me about that, but I know they need to know about the gospel as well, so I don't really know how to just spring it on them and just say, hey, do you know about Jesus? I just don't know how you go about saying that when they don't ask you. Um, I find it easiest to talk about my faith like my best mates at school, because I feel like it's just more com I feel more comfortable doing it, and I think we just talk. None of them are Christians, but I th think we just talk about like what we believe and like what is this place and how did it get here, <laughs> um, and like what made it. And it's just yeah, it's interesting to hear other people's opinions. Um, I agree with Rachel and Eva as well. It's easier when people 
ask you, you know, things. And it's also easier when, um, like, you just talk about what other people think and, you know, how they, they view how things were made and things like that. Amazing, guys. Thanks for being so honest. It's really helpful for us to hear that. Like, we think it's hard, so well done. Can we just pay for these young people? Because I just think they are at the forefront of all of this. So, yeah, let's just pray for you, if that's all right. Um, God, we just thank you for our young people. Thank you um, for their honesty. Uh, thank you for their desire to share who you are, even if they're not all that sure themselves yet, Father. Um, give them courage. Give them the words they need, just like you promised to give Moses the words that he needed. Um, and help them, help them to cultivate relationships and friendships that are solid and um, really rich and good. And would they be places where those conversations could happen? Pray that you'd encourage them, that it wouldn't feel like this battle, that they wouldn't feel silenced, that you would help them find ways um, to talk curiously about you, Jesus. Um, and for them to know that they have actually a solid historical grounding and footing for the faith that they are exploring at the minute. That this isn't a fairy tale. It's not a fantasy. Um, that Jesus, you are true and real. Um, and just thank you that they have each other. Um, and just pray that you would grow their faith for them to be confident that you are with them um, and that you are working in the lives of the people around them. Amen. We're going to... Um have some songs in a moment. I think I'll just very briefly share a reflection that I have. Um, so at school, I had three really close friends. There's four of us. And um, we're still really good friends now. So we, we, we started hanging out in year seven. And so that's like, it's like nearly 20 years. <laughs> we've, we've got to know each other. And um, people have had kids, got married. And um, I remember when I was 13, I think that's when I uh, started following Jesus and really wanted to share my faith with these friends. But they were just, you know, silly. And um, uh, I think when the Bible talks about coarse speech, you know, <laughs> I think of my friends, lots of coarse speech, just lads. And um, uh, we used to spend every day of the six weeks holidays together. So we basically lived in each other's pockets for the whole of school. Um, and uh, I remember getting, used to get quite anxious before things like sleepovers and, or nights out later on, whether I'd get an opportunity to share my faith. And if I did, whether I'd say the right things. And um, I used to get quite caught up in my head thinking, or uh, if they ask me this, what will be my answer? And actually, what that made me was more wooden and maybe sometimes more brash and not, not super helpful. Um, and I think around the age of 17, I decided that I was just going to love them as friends and I was going to pray for them every day, these three friends, and I was going to wait to have opportunities to share if they came up. Um, and I found myself much less anxious when I'd have these opportunities to, to be with them. And conversations would happen and be free-flowing. And um, I could just see the Lord's grace over those relationships over that period of time. I'll just, one, of, one of those guys actually 
came to faith and was baptized, and I was sometimes not, not sure whether, are they really a Christian? Because they would still be sharing some really bad jokes on the WhatsApp group. And then um, my wife, Lauren, and I, and the kids went round to their house last year, one of the lulls in the pandemic, and um, we went in, and there was worship music playing and Christian art on the walls. So you think, wow, yep. I think they are Christians, (laughs) and it's really, really lovely, and another friend, Tim, he recently got married, and he asked me to do the wedding, and that was a real privilege, and he said, we watch your talk, um, like, once a month, we're like, let's watch Nathaniel's talk, and I was like, wow, so that's, that's really special, and then my other friend, and that, that, so that there's, there's two there's two stories. Like one amazing baptized, one amazing like clearly on a journey and soft towards faith. And this other friend, uh, the, this is more difficult. Remember after a wedding, I think he drank quite a lot, and we were sleeping in a hotel room. We were both ushers, and he just for half an hour berated me about how evil it was that I believed in Jesus, and just was you know, didn't let up, it was like, and I think there's, out of these four, there's four of us, these three friends, that's what it looks like to be faithful, so there's been some really amazing things with Adam, and some blessing things with Tim, but with my friend Finney, it's, you know, it's, it's not all roses, <laughs> this call to be faithful, and yet I've made the decision that part of my witness to him is to remain friends, to remain friends with him. And so that's a call, I think, that a lot of we as churchgoers, followers of Jesus, can neglect, and I know I've nearly neglected it myself, to keep up those friendships and keep up those opportunities of witness. Um, yeah, that's, that's something that I've, I've learned and something that comes out of this passage for me. Um, I'm going to invite Jamie to come up and lead us in some singing. I... I wonder if we remain seated and use this time to reflect on what we've heard. If Jamie feels it's appropriate at any point to invite us to stand, then Jamie, you're welcome to make that decision. But let's invite the Lord. Maybe there's something that you heard from Helen or Jane or some of the young people or myself that you know is the Lord speaking to you this morning that he wants you to go away with them, reflect on, and perhaps even to be obedient to what you may have heard in him asking you to do. So let's uh, let's reflect and worship together.